It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 95, where we look this week at some great hypocrisy. At China, at the fabulous president of Ghana, or at least his speech. The University of Cambridge, the Australian States, John Piper being banned from YouTube. The best McDonald's story ever. The Kitchen Table with Russell Brand, and we're going to have some lovely run rig music as well. But we're going to begin with this. I said to David of a lunch today, when I read the biography, I read the biography of Robert Murray McShane, there had to be people around at that time who prayed for this church, who are long gone. They had people like you in mind when they prayed for this church that men and women like you would rise up and bring to Scotland the fresh flame of the gospel every day. My colleague Stuart McAllister and I sat one day after he'd just come back from Scotland and he'd been on a preaching tour and tears running down his face and he said, I can't believe what's happened in my homeland where there's loss of the youth in the churches Ladies and gentlemen, you're God's hope. He's trusting you to let that will never die down. I look at the young people around here. Your courage is going to be needed. Your witness is going to be needed. Your perseverance is going to be needed. That will that is crucified with Christ that remains unflappable. That was from St. Peter's Free Church, I think nine years ago, when Ravi Zacharias came to visit us and he was speaking at a Solas conference. And this week we heard of the death of Mr. Zacharias from cancer. Now, Ravi Zacharias has had a significant ministry and his death and loss has been mentioned not just in Christian news, but elsewhere. Um... I think there are two reactions to this which disturb me a little bit. One are, are those who eulogize him to the extent of a modern saint. Um, I think his ministry was significant. I very much enjoyed meeting him. I think it's a mistake, though, to eulogize at that level. There were, were things that he got wrong. But the other is people who are prepared to demonize, and that really freaks me out a little bit. Um, no sooner was he dead than people were posting allegations and stories about him. Now, I wrote about this before, and I put a link to it. I wrote about it for Premier Christianity. And I still think that it is horrible to have trial by social media. Now, I happen to mention this on someone's blog that I thought it was unnecessary to do that at this stage, and I, I'm just astounded at the reaction and the vitriol. It's kind of sad. I think that Ravi Zacharias has offered a lot to the church, and yes, like all of us, they're a feet of clay. 
And maybe there are issues that we just have to leave to the day of judgment. But I am certain that he served the Lord whom he, whom he loved, and I mourn his parting. Let's move on to something completely different. This was a story that really struck me. It's a, this, a story about uh, Owen Jones. Now, here he is in a clip talking about cleaners. Now, a lot of middle-class professionals, like undoubtedly civil servants here at the Ministry of Justice, can work at home, but these buildings won't be cleaned remotely. Low-paid cleaners on the front line, helping to sanitise and protect people's health, are still at work. And I'm going to talk to one of those cleaners here. How are you? Yes, thank you. How's your day? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> now, Mr. Jones is a Guardian columnist. He's kind of uber left-wing in some things. He, he's kind of a bit noir for people who are more conservative. Uh, I find him an interesting character, but the hypocrisy here is breathtaking because uh, he wrote a piece complaining about people having cleaners. If someone can afford a cleaner, they should be paying them to stay at home and they should be doing their own cleaning. They've certainly got the time to do it. <laughs> he then got caught out because guess what happened? Um, he was asked on the Jeremy Vine program, I'm wondering if you also have a cleaner yourself. Yes, yeah, said Jones, and it's not my decision, but when you live with people, you have to make compromises. So here's a man complaining about cleaners and yet <laughs> himself, he, he's got a cleaner. By the way, I would have no qualms about having a cleaner. I might even pay you for it if you want to do it. I, I think if people are able to do that, uh, uh, and they treat their servants, employees well, well, good for them. And there's nothing wrong with being a cleaner. It's an honourable position and cleaners should be treated well. I suspect that not many people who go to the University of Cambridge will be cleaning. And it struck me that uh, just an astonishing piece of news from Cambridge. They've already decided that they are not going to offer any classes uh, for the whole of next term, which is 2020 to 2021. Um, there'll be no face-to-face -face lectures. Now, there are some people saying, oh, this is an indication of what's to come. But what you need to remember is this. Cambridge actually has very few face-to-face -face lectures anyway. It does a, a lot of the tutorial system. Cambridge is highly elitist. I don't think that those who go to that university are going to be bothered too much. They'll have all the equipment they can, and they'll still have this, the social tutoring and everything else. But again, the people who will suffer in all of this are if, if poorer universities start doing that, if schools start doing it. it. It seems to me that it's the wealthier countries and wealthier people who are the ones who've mostly spread COVID. And these countries, by the way, it's the richer countries who seems to be the ones that have suffered the most. But at the end of the day, I suspect it will end up being the poor who will pay an enormous price for all of this. Now, speaking of that, um, let, let's you fancy going on holiday.
That was Boney M. I'm sorry, but that's a, a guilty pleasure of mine. I love some of Boney M's stuff. You know, some of it's rubbish, but I love some of it. It's a holiday. Well, forget it if you're thinking of going on holiday in Australia to another part of Australia, never mind the rest of the world. You ain't going anywhere. The... <laughs> Um, in the United Kingdom, uh, EasyJet, I've just announced, are going to resume flights in June to France. And it looks as though, even with its relatively strict lockdown, uh, people can go on holiday there. But not here in Australia, because the premiers of Queensland and South Australia and Western Australia have said, we are not going to allow people from other Australian states to holiday in our states. Now, why are they doing this? The answer usually given is medical advice. But the government's chief medical officer gives the opposite advice. It's not medical advice. There's two reasons for it. Number one is it's a display of power. It's a power they have, and so they're going to use it. It really is. And also, we're going to stand up to New South Wales and to Victoria, the bigger states. But number two, and I think this is the main reason, is risk aversion. And I think this has a lot to teach uh, us about Western society in general. Risk aversion. Risk aversion in the sense of genuinely not wanting to see a COVID outbreak in their own states and people dying from it. Genuine compassion, in other words. But also risk aversion in this, not wanting to risk their own careers or their own reputations. Do you know, it's estimated there's going to be another 1,500 suicides in Australia because of... Um, the COVID-19 economic shutdown. Now that's going to be 10 times the number of deaths that have been caused by COVID. There's uh, going to be enormous job losses. There have been enormous job losses. And the importance about the, these premiers doing this is particularly in Queensland, is there are so many jobs that are dependent in the Gold Coast on people being able to holiday there. That ain't going to happen now. Why are the premiers not so concerned about that? Because they ultimately probably won't carry the can for it. But in the league table of states, which we get bombarded with every single day, yeah, if they have an outbreak, then it looks as though their policy is not working. So I think the risk aversion is about themselves. And dare I say this, I think a lot of that exists in the church as well. Yes, we're genuinely concerned about people who may catch COVID and we don't want to increase the risk. Absolutely. But I think also there's a little bit of, amongst church leadership, we don't want our church to be the one that has this reputation. It's, uh, I think it's quite a sad world in that way. And behind all of this, or not behind it, but just underlying it all is China and the enormous power of China. Here in Australia, the Victorian government are just about to sign a deal, an extraordinary deal with China. Um, and as a result, of course, their government spokesperson is attacking the Australian government for daring to criticise China, despite all that China has done. And when we say China, we mean the Chinese government and the Communist Party. We do not mean Chinese people. Many, many Chinese people are fed up of the Communist Party and what it's doing but not in Victoria, which is going to buy into it. And actually, in many, many parts of the world. Listen to this. This is why China is so difficult to deal with. China now owns 95% of the world's production of rare earth. African nations owe China more than $150 billion. 
China owns 15% of UK debt. That's £267 billion. China has $1 trillion of US Treasury debt. And China is owed a total of $5 trillion globally. China doesn't need to go to war. China doesn't need to release viruses. I don't think that's what happened in this instance, by the way. But it doesn't need to do that. All China needs to do is call in its debts. All right, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to Africa. And uh, a number of years ago, I wrote um, a piece about the president of Ghana. Well, there's a new president, and he seems just as impressive. Uh, Nana Akufu Addo. Listen to him talking alongside President Macron of France. It is not right for a country like Ghana, 60 years after independence, to still have its health and education budgets being financed on the basis of the generosity and charity of European taxpayers. By now, we should be able to finance our basic needs ourselves. And if we are going to look at the next 60 years as a period of transition, a period whereby we can stand on our own feet, our perspective has not to be what the French taxpayer decides to do with whatever surpluses that they have in France. They're welcome. They're appreciated. Whatever interventions that the French taxpayer through their governments make to us are appreciated. We're not going to lick a gift horse in the mouth. But this continent, with all that has happened, is still today the repository of at least 30% of the most important minerals of the world. It is a, it's a continent of vast arable and fertile lands. It has the youngest population of any of the continents in the world. So it has the energy and the dynamism. We have seen it. These now, I think that's wonderful in lots and lots and lots of ways. Why? Because here is an African president standing up to a European and saying, we shouldn't be relying on your charity. Stop treating us like this. Macron's face, if you watch the video, it's just unbelievable to see Macron's face. Um, Africa's not to be about charity. Africa's a rich, rich continent. Yes, there's corruption, but there's corruption elsewhere too. And we should give Africans more respect and more dignity. The Chinese, they, they buy up. African assets. I think Westerners use our corporations to help exploit African people, and, and that is wrong. We need people like President Nana Akafu Addo. I hope I'm right, not only in pronunciation, but if I'm going by his speech, I hope that is a reflection, a real reflection of the reality of the man. If it is, then I'm very encouraged. All right, this is not so encouraging. Listen to this, a historic moment. That is the Muslim call to prayer being played for the first time in public. In other words, not just the mosque, but for the whole area in Waltham Forest. I think it was also done in Newham a couple of weeks ago. Now, this has been done because Muslims are being asked not to go to the mosque, and same as Christians. 
not going to church, to stay at home, and it's Ramadan and so on. And people are hailing this as a great thing. I cannot say that. Why? God is great, says the call. I bear witness there's nothing worthy of worship except God. I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of God. What this is doing is calling out, actually attacking Christianity, because Muslims think that it's blasphemous to say that Jesus is God. And that's been publicly broadcast all over by permission of our state councils. I think Muslims should have freedom to worship. I don't think that it's right that something that is so wrong should be broadcast in that way. Muhammad is the messenger of God. What if you don't believe that? I do find this actually quite chilling. It matters little what I think about the coronavirus, or anything else for that matter. But it matters forever what God thinks. He is not silent about what he thinks. Scarcely a page in the Bible is irrelevant for this crisis. My voice is grass. God's voice is granite. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. 1 Peter 1, 24-25. John Piper wrote Jesus a book on coronavirus. That's not chilling. Uh, there's at least... Four books I've become aware of from evangelical circles on, on coronavirus, and I've read two of them. They've been excellent. I'm just about to start reading Mr. Piper's book. Uh, look forward to reviewing it as well. There's an audiobook version of Mr. Piper's book, Coronavirus and Christ. That has just been removed by YouTube for the standard phrase, violating community standards. Why? Because in it, he talks about sexual sin, including homosexual sexual sin. Now, he's saying what the Bible says. He's upholding Christian standards. Why, why do YouTube seek to ban it? Because they're saying it's hatred. What they're saying is to teach the Bible is hatred. Therefore, teaching the Bible will be banned, which for me is itself hatred. It's hatred of the Bible. So on the one hand, we have, and this is on YouTube, the, the call to prayer of Islam saying that basically Christianity is wrong. Muhammad is the prophet and the things that uh, uh, Islam says about homosexuality, by the way, is inc incredibly way more extreme than anything Christianity says. Yet that's permissible. Yet a Christian pastor teaching what the Bible teaches is not permissible. It violates community standards. Something profoundly wrong with all of that. Okay, let's change subject completely and listen to this. Un délicieux café et un petit déjeuner chez McDo, ça, ça réchauffe. That was the world's shortest McDonald's ad in Belgium. <laughs> all right, McDonald's is absolutely everywhere. I, I'm going to make a confession. I'm not a McDonald's fan. I did like getting their breakfast occasionally in Dundee sometimes. But I have to say, I really do like Macca's here in Australia. Uh, two things. One is the breakfast. But the other is, whenever you go on a road trip, whenever we'll be allowed on a road trip to Queensland or the ACT or wherever, 
um, it seems to be a tradition for Aussies to stop off at Macca's on the way. And uh, it's a tradition I wholeheartedly endorse. And they've got this McAfee as well. But this story from Belgium, I think this is brilliant. A mother and daughter in Belgium were so desperate to buy a McDonald's meal that they learned that a local branch had reopened for drive-through customers only. So what they did was they built a cardboard car. Natalie Mormon said, We had a bit of trouble taking it out of the house, but once on the road, other cars honked at us, gave us thumbs up and stopped to take pictures. I think they got their meal. All right. Um, I want to encourage you to go on to the Third Space website and or YouTube and look at the kitchen table. Um, here's a little bit of our latest one where we look at Russell Brand. We are looking for a sacred experience. What do you mean sacred, Russell? In the dictionary, it tells you that sacred means holy, divine, the presence of God. What I think that means is the presence of the limitless that is always, by its nature, present in the limited bandwidth of our physical sense-based experience here on Earth, which on some level we know is not enough, and now we've been forced into a monastic corner, except for those of us that are frontline workers, except for those of us that are up there shirkers, and except for those of us that are poor mag jerkers, we're all stationed aren't we and alone now i've got young kids so i'm pretty busy and occupied with the, dealing with the madness and the continual violence plus i've got beer and no beer and no beer but what we all need is a connection to the sacred and the fact that people are googling prayer suggests to me that we need to find a way to pray together now you might not want to pray because it's utterly brilliant the russell brand's thing now please listen to have a look at what we're going to say and i'll maybe write something about it as well i hope that you will enjoy it Okay, I'm going to love you and lead you, leave you. And um, last week I mentioned I've been asked to do the top most, 10 most influential albums. And uh, the one this week is from Runrig, The Highland Connection, this song, Going Home. Lots and lots of different reasons. It reminds me of when I used to go home on the train from Edinburgh to my home, parents' home, my home in the Highlands. And it was what we called the Orkney train when all the students were going back, those who were going up to the north, up to Orkney uh, and beyond. Um, people would often play music. It was just beautiful. Going home When the summer's coming in And the moonlight on the river Shows me But also, you know what it reminds me of? I've just in recent weeks, I've been conscious of a number of Christian friends who've died and they've gone to be with the Lord. And where have they gone? They've gone home. If you have that hope, you're a Christian. What a wonderful hope. If you don't have Christ, you don't have that hope. You need to find him. Maybe even listening to this might encourage you to do that. If you'd like to support Quantum, just go to the Podbean fundraiser. Otherwise... Uh, hopefully see you next week and if you've got any stories or things you want covered please feel free to get in touch and don't forget to go and have a listen to or look at the kitchen table and don't forget our um, life in wartime living in wartime podcast on the eternity network you'll get all of this on the weefly blog god bless you all take care 
See you next week. Now the skyline has reached my eyes. The ridge stands out.